1: communities, but certainly even Belfast communities, things that, that can be really terrible can happen. It just never comes out of that couple of streets. It's just a really, really you know, a secret. Secret, 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 secret. I mean, we can't really draw a line under the troubles. You can't say, all this happened. Um, it's all history. Because we still find out things happened and we knew nothing about
0: I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals Drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. It was an unforgivable crime to murder someone and refuse to give up their body. And it became the ultimate terror threat of the IRA. We will disappear you and no one will ever know. Those tragic secrets lay buried for many, many years, but the truth has a way of coming out. The families who became known as the disappeared gradually found their voices. And one by one, the bodies were found in lonely bogs and beaches. The remains of 13 of the 17 disappeared victims have been recovered, while four have yet to be found. Efforts to locate their bodies continue to this day, and only earlier this month, a new dig for teenager Columba McVeigh was resumed on a bog in County Monaghan. Sunday World Assistant Editor in Belfast, Jerry Miller, spent the early years of his career investigating these disappearances and was among the first to compile a list of what became known as The Disappeared. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. When you wrote this letter to the publishers and you were planning on writing a book about The Disappeared, The Disappeared weren't known as they disappeared as such?
1: They weren't at all, no. Mm. Uh, I was from Andersonstown in West Belfast. And when I was growing up, there were two lads from really my estate, even, you know, they lived just down the street and, yeah. and uh, a couple of yards away from the house, really. And they had gone missing. And it was, uh, you know, everybody in the Did area... Your age,
0: like?
1: Older than me, so older than me to be, you know... One of them was only 18, so, you know, I maybe... You know there were there were certainly lads. Mm. Like we would have been kind of like the, the equivalent of your bigger brothers, uh, but I I only I, I remember seeing one of them. But they were uh, John Bugsy McClory and Brian McKinney, and everybody I knew knew that they just vanished, and, and friends used to talk about them all the time. But it was genuinely no idea what happened to them. Like the, at least any idea that I heard, and I remember uh, Brian McKinney's father Billy, and after he went missing, he used to walk past our house up the hill to mass every day at the top of the street. And really, you'd never seen a sadder man. He walked like he had the weight of the world on his shoulders and all the joy had been taken from his life. So always remember Mr. McKinney. Uh, but actually, I remember seeing Bugsy McCrory. This is one of the disappeared. Mm-hmm. And it was a sighting that I, I'll never forget. It was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen because where I live in Annerstown, where you just seeing weird, incredible things every day. It was a war zone and it actually even... I say that the people now lived in a war zone They kind of dismiss it but it really was mm-hmm. and I think sadly it lasted way too long. You know, it, the war started when I was, that, that war in our street started when maybe I was four. The uh, first soldiers arrived and actually after I finished university and started working in the Irish News as a journalist. It was still going on. It's probably the real tragedy but mm. you can see everything from our living room window and I remember this day there was serious trouble outside. When I kind of look back at it, I think it may have been after the death of hunger striker Frank Stagg, and that was in 1976. So I might have been about nine, and Bugsy would have been no older than 16. This mm-hmm. is John Bugsy McCrory; his nickname was Bugsy. And I was I was young, looking out the, the living room window, but these kind of th- this what happened here would sear into your mind. And an army Saracen uh, came down the street, and Bugsy stepped out in front of it with a pistol and tried to shoot at it, right? Uh, uh, but the gun it, it jammed and. I remember looking out the window and probably other, I was youngest of my family, other people in the family looking out. And we were just horrified. We thought soldiers were going to shoot this guy. Bugsy, even knew him. He was, wasn't wearing a mask. He was a neighbor. Mm. So I thought, thought he was going to shoot him dead. And uh, that was remarkable enough. But after that happened, right? So the sergeant just drove on, the gun jammed. So Bugsy then started taking the gun apart. I remember him banging him, banging the gun on the pavement. And he put it back together again. And by this stage, the sergeant had circled the estate and was coming down the street again. So I think, you know, hands in, in their face going, please don't attack the Saracen again, you're going to die. And of course, he steps out again, points the gun at the Saracen. And again, it didn't go off. And again, the soldiers didn't shoot. Like they're probably hiding inside the Saracen, afraid of getting shot or whatever. So I thought, wow. And, and that was, that was uh, too, you know, Bugsy survived that day, but just for two more years. And then he disappeared. Right. And he just vanished off the face of the earth, along with, along with Brand Brew,
0: McKinney. Did they both go missing at
1: exactly the same yeah, time? With, yeah, within a half an hour of each other. And so, like, my story would be, you know, once I got my journalism degree in DCU, I tried to find out what happened to the missing lads. Uh, probably innocently enough, I didn't know anything about them. So I went to the two houses. So, the mystery of my where I grew up, went to the two houses. Uh, I remember I knocked Margaret McKinney's door, maybe 1994, and she told me I was the first person to call there for 13 years. Uh, and then, then Nicola just took another strange turn. This is still mm-hmm. trouble time. So took another strange turn. I, so after interviewed, maybe several times interviewed Mrs. McKinney. What did she son. say at that
0: stage? Was um, she worried? I mean, she, she thought she, her she, son was dead. Oh yeah,
1: thought her son was dead. Um, she had lots of stories to tell about how, uh, how for, for example, uh, after her son disappeared, an IRA man called your door. And it's an IRA man who i will his name now, but I'll tell you afterwards, and you'll know him. Uh, he ended up in jail, and it was escaping from jail. He's a well-known IRA person, and but he was a teenager at the time. And he actually called your door and said, "Listen, I was my job was a kneecap. Your son. Uh, and the thing is, the two boys who disappeared, they were involved in robbing the the clubhouse bar on right. the Glen Road. Uh, and the IRA found out about it, and they were going to get kneecaps. So <laughs> this guy, this IRA guy, who was a teenager. His job, he said, he actually told Mrs. McKinney, I I stayed with your son and with John McCrory for 48 hours. I was feeling their knees where I was going to shoot them. And then suddenly he got an order let them go. And he said he couldn't understand it. So he went back to her house. Whenever they disappeared, he went to her house and said, I'll try and find out about this Mrs. McKinney. I'm really sorry, even though he was going to shoot her son. Mm -hmm. And, And he said, so he went to see the IRA. He came back a few days later and said, listen, I'm told not to ask any more questions or they're going to kill me. So that's how serious it was. So was he
0: genuine?
1: Mrs. McKinney always said, the the late Mrs. McKinney said he was completely genuine. A a, a guy who was trying to, even though he was going to shoot her son, a guy who was there to help. And he was told, no, don't ask questions or you're going to get it. So that that was that. But I mean, after I spoke to Mrs. McKinney several times, so maybe the word got out and she was talking to people that I was visiting her house and then it was, it took a strange turn. I was approached by a man who told me to hold fire in the story, and he said to me, You know, we we're looking into it. It, it, it'll open a whole can. I remember looking back, and it, the one thing about this conversation with this guy, uh, who was nameless, uh, and it was obvious he was talking with authority. He did, I didn't ask him, but he, was in, he was in the IRA, and I didn't have to, he just you just knew. You, and He said, Listen, it'll open a whole can of worms if you do this. I said, How long do you want me to wait? We're, we're investigating it. He said, How long do you want me to wait? Uh, and the mothers want answers and, and and they've waited long enough about already. And he said, I'll give it about six weeks. So I saw him in six weeks time and he shook his head. He said, give us a bit more time. And so this time I spoke to, I was working in the Irish News and I spoke to a really experienced journalist in the Irish News who worked through paramilitaries and the troubles and all. And I spoke to a couple of them there and and they said, important things, get the story out, get it published for the families so you can give it to another publication, somebody else to publish, which I it, which it did. And it was published by a journalist that was published in the Irish Times, in fact. And it was the first time, to my knowledge, anything about The Disappeared had been written, about. certainly about those two boys and about...
0: And was the story that the mother was looking for answers, basically?
1: Yeah, definitely looking for answers. But I think almost by that stage, we're looking for answers that, that their sons had been murdered and they wanted their bodies back. Uh, and so, you know, once I remember going, then they... Mrs. McKinney wouldn't have ever seen the Irish Times, so I, I went to her, I think in the day of publication, uh, with the copy. And I knew then, okay, I'd kind of sidestepped the guy who was making threatening noises, but I knew then that it was it was all better off then. It had already been out there. Mm-hmm. And from then on, I, the, I, the Irish news was full of stories, just constantly wrote stories about... Mrs. McKinney and Mrs. Macquarie and, and their missing sons, and I knew I never heard of the guy again. I knew it was you know other BBC would be asking questions now. It was out there, uh, you so know.
0: You'd got it out into the public uh, arena I, and I, it sounds like something that's happening in modern day Mexico.
1: It, it does really, and, and if you look, I mean, this is this is the local newspaper. I said you know I want to finally put it in the Irish news Mrs McKinney and the families would have read the Irish News, it was our daily newspaper, yeah. and the Andersonstown News, a weekly paper. Now, when they went missing, there's a facsimile of how mm-hmm. two people, two young lads have gone missing in Andersonstown in 1978, and it's a tiny story in a newspaper. And that's the Andersonstown News, but it wasn't a big deal. I mean, it would be, page one, it would be a splice in every story now, because you know something bad's happened. I think in those days, people kind of thought, mm, they've been up to no good, they're on the run. You know, mm-hmm. something like that. So rather than... And the families didn't know either. The boys didn't come back. They put a wee statement out. They're not sure. So it's actually and you see it there, a very <laughs> small story. Uh, but, you know, it, it's it's sort of it was it's sort of people people went on a run. I remember people in our, our you know, you just kind of I was young, but you realise people just disappeared to go to Holland or America or down south. And there were tumultuous times and you know, they would have assumed just they got into trouble and and they've they've gone on a run, and that's probably what the IRA wanted people to think. You know, And the truth actually then came out very slowly. And that story about the, the when, when you started talking to their parents, they said, yes, they robbed the club. Uh, yes, you know, they were going to get kneecapped. Uh, you know, uh, and, and really what I learned, I spoke to a lot of people around the area, and what I learned really uh, that Bugsy McCrory, uh, John McCrory had a, an argument with a senior IRA guy in the area. Mm-hmm. And during that argument uh, in the street, he pulled a gun and threatened this guy with a gun. And I think that sealed his fate more than anything, more than a robbery. I think that's when some order would out. Were they the
0: first two then to have been disappeared in that
1: fashion? Uh, strangely enough, uh, they, were too, they weren't. And so the IRA in Anderson Town had experience of, of doing of doing that. And uh, it was six years before. Mm-hmm. And they disappeared two other people uh, who were called Kevin McKee and Seamus Wright in 1972. Now, both of those were IRA members. So what happened when I suppose an IRA member went missing unlike like these two guys from my part of my, my part of Andersonstown the families maybe didn't make a big fuss they probably thought it's an internal thing um, you know I don't want to they say what to families go, they thought they
0: need to go to the uh, to,
1: well one of the things they didn't to go to the police bits. so generally people wouldn't go to yeah. the police either so so the REC wouldn't get information uh, they probably thought you know um, maybe they'll come on to you know why people why it was used as a tactic mm. by the in fact I mean you know it was it was probably the most horrific threat you could imagine, right? So you're not only going to get you're going to get killed, which the IRA would do, of course, you know, did it then daily. So they would execute someone, but not only that, they, they say to you, "We're going to disappear you, and you're you're not going to have a uh, you're, you're you're we don't even have to admit it. We have to go public. Mm. There's no body in the street. Mm. There's no outcry. Uh, and and then your family is put in this could be 50 years, as we know, turmoil. Uh, So you only lose your own life, you're actually ruining. So it's a huge threat.
0: And also, I presume, like, so, you know, in a way you can hope that they were very quickly executed. But there must have been that terror that were they tortured.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, they were taken generally across the border. So they weren't uh, abducted and executed immediately. So yeah, I would say they were. Most of them were interrogated, and the ones who were alleged they were informers uh, were definitely interrogated, probably for you know, and we know for it could be for weeks at a time. Uh, I remember, I remember when John McCrory and Brian McKinney's bodies were eventually uh, recovered twenty-one years later in nineteen ninety-nine, and you know what? It was hard to actually put in the words what it meant to the families, and as I, I attended the funerals, and I mean actually. Carried, helped carry the coffins past my family home up to right. the church and you know I, I wasn't doing it as a journalist I was I, like I really was doing it as a, as a neighbour and I hope a family friend and I it, it was really really sad but I think it was really important for it was really important for the mothers I think that mm. in particular they knew their sons were dead and wanted to give them a Christ, Christian burial so I think that was that was very important but I mean it Whenever and you go back to the sequence of offence, Nicholas. So whenever, so these bodies were found uh, in 1999, but it was just a short time before the IRA finally came clean. I mean, they came clean to, to, up to a point, of course, but they came clean and they issued a statement. So this guy who had said to me, "Oh, we're looking into it," there was some sort of truth in that because for several years they had been obviously collecting the information about what their members had done, mm. and. Then they issued a statement in 1999 and said, we have killed nine people and we've secretly buried them. And actually when they issued that statement, uh, the very, that very day or night, uh, a body was found above the ground in Ford Cemetery in Dundalk and it was a guy called Eamon Malloy. And again, this is the first time outside his, outside his family that mm. anybody was aware he'd be missing. And it kind of like... It it was nothing in the press, really, that I remember, or anybody remembered, when he disappeared in 1975. And it it shows you the kind of tightness of maybe Republican communities, but certainly even Belfast communities. Things that that can be really terrible can happen. Mm. And even the press, it just never comes out of that couple of streets. It's just a really, you know, a secret. And it could be a Republican thing. So we know, for instance, Eamon Malloy was a member of the IRA. Maybe that's the reason why there was no fuss made in in the immediate years. There was, of course, family campaigned uh, for him towards the end. But at the time, people went missing and really... And it shows as well, we use the
0: word untouchable a lot in this underworld when we're talking about these uh, gangland and and large, you know, criminal groupings. But this really was, they were untouchable. They could do what they wanted. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was terrifying. And actually then, you know, the the very first person to be disappeared, we use that as
0: as
1: a kind of a strange verb, but to disappear a guy called Joe Linsky, and that was in 1972, and he was an IRA member, and yet again, it's like one of those things that it's happened, and yet nothing was reported about it. Police probably weren't informed, or didn't seem to have been interested if they were informed. Uh, and amazingly, no public mention of him being disappeared until late 2009. I think it's 38 years after his disappearance. And actually, it was security journalist Alison Morris, and she, she was working at the Irish News at the time, and uh, she'd been on this podcast several times, and, she, and he, she discovered he was missing. He was having a relationship with the wife another, of another IRA man and he ordered a, a, a separate IRA man to shoot his really love rival. Right. And when the IRA found out about that, it's, it sparked a mini feud in Belfast in 1972, which was a, you know, a, a very bad year. And his body still hasn't been recovered, believed he's buried in, in County Meath. So that's the very first one. Another mm-hmm. kind of secretive of Belfast secret, and maybe there are more Belfast secrets that haven't been thrown up yet, uh, but probably one of the most, you know, when you're working on these things, you're yeah, always asking the question, you know, why, why was that a tactic? Why was it used? And, you know, probably the, it's it's like, my, you know, the IRA were, were pretty good at executing people, dumping bodies at, at the border. I suppose there's no one reason why all these people were disappeared. And I think there's obvious, there's there's the obvious one, you know, murders were simply just too terrible to admit. And I would say that was about uh, John McCrory and, Brian McKinney, that it, had they killed those two boys, I'll call them, and left their bodies in the street, it would have been outrage in time, which was a, a place with supported, yeah, you know, republicanism generally, and it would have been a, a nightmare for them. So they decided, well, let's let's do this kind of secret and. It will be, you know, they'll get a small story in a few papers, and that's it. And and it, and it works as a tactic because that's what happened. Of mm-hmm. course, long term, mm-hmm. it, it it worked. It, anything but worked. But it did that. Of course, that the the that that was the case also in the, in in Jean McConville and Mother of 10, 1972. That's I mean, no, there's never nothing stops like it. Being nothing like it. And it's probably you know it probably is. You know, is there any one murder worse than another? Does anyone ever get
0: to the bottom of it? She was kind of accused yeah. of of housing yeah. basically.
1: Yeah, there have been several very good books about it. Uh, certainly, the IRA, always adamant that she had a, an army-issued radio on her at the time. But, I mean, you look at the whole story and you think there's a mother of 10, a, a widowed mother of 10. Um, and, um, and, and, you know, you know the fact that she was disappeared. Uh, you know that they couldn't even publicly you know they call it execute someone for informants so they couldn't do that so they ferried her down south uh you know uh, Dolores Price when she was talking she was doing a lot of uh stories with the Irish news at the time and uh before she died i think in 2013 and she said you know she she actually drove Jim McComble across the border that the IRA across the border refused to shoot her and you know basically i think reading between the lines was she shot her herself. It was certainly was there when she died. So, uh, I mean, so you've got that. Why did it disappear, people? Some of sometimes are too terrible for the IRA even to admit they were doing mm. it. But... Uh, was she the only woman? She was the only woman, yeah. Yeah. And what was
0: year was it? 1972,
1: 1972 in December. Not the first 72. person to disappear, but there other four people that I yeah. think I know that disappeared in 72. And the other two, now that, that's that, you know, the two in Anderson Town, lower Anderson Town, was Kevin McKay and Seamus Wright. And they... they uh, they, you know, it was it was actually Brendan Hughes, who's a famous late famous IRA man, and he he said that uh, they were buried in secret because their republican families would not have wanted the stigma of them being labelled as touts. Now, being a tout, a terrible thing because you, you know a tout is really you're betraying the fight for Irish freedom more than anything. And uh, and so that's what he said. And you know you can be sure that explanation. It's no longer true, and it wasn't true after. It may have been true at that time, mm. but it certainly wasn't true because families did go public and campaign for their for their sons and brothers' bodies to be returned. Uh, so that was one of the reasons that they didn't want. You know, the, so so you, you have Eamon Malloy executed and secretly buried, and the reason why that happened. This is the, the guy who was found in the coffin yeah. in in 1999 in, in County Louth. He was a. Very senior IRA guy in North Belfast, a quartermaster. So apparently he knew about all weapons and dumps and stuff like that. And when it was discovered that he was working for the enemy, allegedly, but I think it doesn't. I haven't seen it disputed at all. But uh, that he that he was, they were too embarrassed to admit somebody so senior and had with so much influence could have been betraying the republican cause. So rather than admit and and shoot him as an informer. Mm -hmm. They disappeared him and then people thought he's gone on a run. And so it was like, so there are all these different reasons. All these
0: different reasons. Yeah. yeah. And all of them, well, a lot of them, certainly the ones that
1: we've spoken about come back to sort of shame. Come back to shame, yeah. But I mean, no, in certain cases, I think it wasn't shame. They were, they were intentionally killing people. uh, But they were doing it tactically. Mm. So it was kind of cold-blooded. They were saying, this one, this one, Sanders' time, better not leave the body in the street. This one's a mother, mm, mightn't look good, you know. So there was all this one's an IRA, senior a couple of senior IRA people. Let's not, let maybe let's, let's protect Let's not your let promise, out, that that not they, out. you know yeah, that we
0: have people like that in our ranks who,
1: who, who are who are, yeah. who are betraying, mm-hmm. as allegedly at least betraying their their organisation. But I mean, it, it, there's there's um, one thing, Lisa. You now you know with stories, one thing leads to another, and. Actually, when I was writing these stories then in, in the Irish news. It was getting a lot of information was coming in. I remember one time getting information from a watchman who worked in West Belfast, and he had worked in a in a and when, when a Glen Collin estate was being built, and he had information that he saw people digging. So there was these rumours of mass graves in Black Mountain in West Belfast, and I would inform the informed the police and the RUC started a search. Nothing was found, but you know the thing is, a police, no doubt, police took little or no action, Republican areas often revol- involving Republicans themselves. Like, police didn't, the REC didn't open an investigation into Jim McConville's disappearance for 23 years. It's extraordinary. Uh, until 1995. And what uh, was the
0: kind of, the reason for that? Were they kind of claiming that she had just taken off? Yeah, she got sick uh, of her uh, 10 children. Uh,
1: this might sound bizarre, but from where I was sitting and where I was working, it was just a West Belfast thing. It was an internal Republican thing. Uh, you know, let them do what they want in their own, you know, mm-hmm. the, often they didn't get cooperation from families. So the police just, and, and they, they weren't welcome, police in a lot of areas. So they didn't quite do their, they just didn't do their job. But right about that time, 1995, when I was working at the Irish News, REC did set up a special unit and I asked to interview the, the head detective. And uh, it was actually during that interview and the detective mentioned another missing man. So... And you it's, had your list of 12 at this stage that well, you had I, compiled? to well, tell you the truth, no, I didn't. That was before that even, right? So I had, had a list of, it was it was just, they were kind of like dots, but they weren't linked. So different people, Jim Maccomble had gone missing The two people in my street had gone missing. And maybe the odd rumour about something else, but uh, they mentioned, so the, the RUC at the time, 1995. Now, we know by the end, 17 people had gone missing. And they set up a special unit and they said... Uh, Told me they're they're just they 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 have they have identified four people who are missing. So that's how basic their investigations were, you know, four people, and we knew you know now it's seventeen, but probably had a guess it was certainly ten because different people were contacting us and contacting various families. families are starting to link up and saying what happened to your family, mm-hmm. similar thing happened, happened mine, and and they mentioned so the, the three we knew off the t- McCrory McKinney, and Jim McConville, and then they mentioned Brendan McGraw, and so Brendan McGraw's. I wrote a story in the SIR, you know, lead story in the Irish News, you know, R.C. Widen's probe for missing. And that's Brendan McGraw's first time he's mentioned in the paper, probably since he disappeared. But another really, really unusual case. Now, so I interviewed his his mother, Bridget, and she said a few people had contacted her since her son disappeared 16 years before. But unlike the other cases, it had attracted a bit of attention at the time, because his abductors had actually injected his pregnant wife, tied her up and injected her with something to calm her down. It was, it was later said in, in the inquest. And he wasn't at home at the time. And he came back, he abducted him and he vanished off the face of the earth. Largely forgotten by the media until the police, or you see mentioned his name, interviewed his mother. And, and like, kind of so one story leads to another. And uh, I'd written a story as see there in the Irish mm. news, and a former IRA man called Eamon Collins contacted me in the paper when he read that story, right? Eamon was a kind of hate figure. He's from Newry with Republicans because he wrote a book called Kill and Rage. And he was, you know, he detailed, detailed his time in the IRA and he had a photographic memory. So he remembered everything. The guy was involved, a lot of stuff. And he said, listen, I think I know what happened, Brendan. And so I was talking to him on the phone and stuff. And, and then I met him and and, uh, and he said, I think I know, I know what happened because, uh, that thing about an injection, he said, I was at an IRA anti-interrogation lesson for new recruits in Dundalk and the guy giving the lesson mentioned about a man being abducted, an informer, he said, he said, we killed him, buried him in County Meath, but we used an injection when he was injected or somebody was injected whenever he was abducted. So, so then, Eamon Collins contacted me. I'm sure I gave that information to RUC, and I'm sure then, but I certainly gave the, contacted mm. Brendan McGraw's mother and made sure they all knew about that. But it was, it was, see, it, then there was actually, I went to Eamon's home to meet him, talk about that and other things. And it was actually on the night before he was murdered. So I, had, I was off work, I am my daughter with me, a couple of years old. And I went down to his house in Newry. And I remember even going to his house in Newry. And he said, like, I said, how will I know your house? And he said, you know, when you see Eamon Collins as a tout, take a right. And when you see, I will kill Eamon Collins, take the left. And I finally found it. It was true. I found, found his house. Graffiti. Graffiti, yeah. And and it was so, my daughter played with his daughter in the guinea pig. And I sat and talked to him for ages and uh, but it disappeared. And I mentioned a couple of things he said, but but then I left, I left his house that night, probably about it was getting dark, six o'clock or so. And his Spaniels were jumping up on me and uh and then I woke up, woke up next day and he was murdered. So he had gone out to walk his dogs next day and he was he was beaten to death. So it was really horrific. a really horrific thing to have happened. And you know, I was, you know, in his house the night before, so I thought it was it was terrible. But and even when he was telling me about the disappeared, and this is probably a really essential thing, Nicola, like he was telling me about the disappeared, and he said it's actually used as a verb by the IRA. You know, he said, we will disappear you. You will be disappeared. And he said that was, he knew they could do it. And he was telling me that that night, he was saying, they constantly threaten me. We'll disappear you. Uh, and he wasn't disappeared. He was murdered just on the street. But he was, it was a, a really, he said, he actually said it a really terrifying threat because I know it could so easily happen. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the, this. that's the essential kind of truth of the disappeared. And the IRA used it as a, as a, I mean, it is a verb, but it's that sort of verb. We can disappear you. We will disappear you. Um, and we don't even have to issue a statement, you know. It, it, you know, it's just, it was, it was, it was just, you just be gone and your family's left in, in a purgatory. So, those questions, so that, you know, it just shows you that you start yeah, writing yes. stories like that, at least yeah. one thing to another. And 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 uh, and so, you know, that was poor and Collins and it was a, another kind of link to the disappeared mm-hmm. ended in tragedy as well, you know.
0: And as the time went on, was it families that were coming with little bits, or were they sort of raising their yep. hands and saying, "Actually, sorry, we have somebody as well"?
1: Well, I would say they joined together. Families that disappeared, and that gives them great comfort. Mm. You know, it's like when did
0: they form? Ninety-five.
1: Uh, it's probably yeah, it's it's probably around then, Nicola. It's it's that sort of a uh, gradual thing, and then when it really and now, I mean, they still have a an annual. You know. Uh, walk to Stormont, laying down flowers. We know there are four people still disappeared. Uh, but even the people, you know, like Jim McConnell's family, imagine any family, they still share the trauma of the ones who were disappeared and have gone through so much, so much suffering that that it's, you know, they may have they may have received the bodies back, but that pain hasn't left. And they still feel part of that, you know, special group of people who suffered in a special way. So uh, like I said it is, as you say, it's like something you would hear abroad, like it in Chile is, it's or You like, know, you, know, you it see it the
0: mothers in Mexico yeah. and they're looking for their yeah. missing sons. Oh yeah, and there's no
1: there's no no justification for it, mm. you know. And there's justification for allegedly for a lot of things and people can justify a lot of things. For this, oof, it was certainly beyond appeal. Mm. And uh and you know, so the families families are were very brave and had to go public. Uh but I would say one of the really important things, Nicola Elements, to the disappeared is the Independent Commission for the Location of Victims' Remains. Now, that group, again, I'm going front of me when it was set. I think it was set up around about 1999. And uh, maybe it was 1999, but it was given special powers, and, and almost like a magical power, because it's something, you know, you, you see this There's a really controversial um, amnesty going through Westminster at the minute, and it's managed to unite every party, in Ireland, including the DUP and Sinn Féin and all the southern parties in opposition to it. And really, it, it people know that the reason why the British government pushing this through is so British soldiers won't have to face trial. Now, on the other hand, in 1999, the Independent Commission for the location of victims' remains were able to give a, a partial amnesty to anybody cooperating because they put victims first. And If it was controversial, who were they, I can remember. Who were they made up of? Uh, a couple of Semi-government, maybe even you know other retired civil servants mm. as commissioners, uh, special people. Now these people, and um, uh, you know, you know their job. Their job would be, and you know, the Jeff Nupper is, a, is a, the is the the lead investigator, brilliant police officer from England, and he, I'm sure, has met numerous really IRA members who were involved in these murders, mm. and but they were. When this was formed, they said any information we get will be legally privileged. It can't be passed on to police, used in the court of law. I uh, think it was amazing foresight and how immunity can be used to positive effect. Like uh, you know, and and it's it's like a it's it put victims first, and they don't want any prosecutions, and that, because it was clear that was the only way they just wanted to get the bodies. Get the bodies. Mm-hmm. And so I would say time and time again, these these commissioners and these members of this independent commission for the location of victims' remains have met people on bogs and in forests and in lonely beaches who actually were there and pulled triggers and and they've said this is where we thought this is where we think and they're probably you know he, and his statement he says he meets lots of people who are genuine they are trying to
0: tell so us they, where the bodies are people, some people I'm sure were Haunted by what they did or what oh, totally, they saw.
1: Totally, totally. Um, but, you know, there, there's even there's, a, there's a, one of the disappeared, Seamus Ruddy, 32-year-old, member of the INLA, and he went missing in Paris. And finally, uh, you know, I've been told that members of the INLA their immunity, amnesty is a real controversial word, but they were able to travel to Paris and pinpoint where he had been, he'd been buried in a forest. Uh, and that was, you know, no prosecutions. And the families were all delighted with that. Not, I just think if politicians make this controversial, they need to talk to the families first because they are just delighted mm-hmm. that there's a way of possibly getting their remains back. Uh, you know, one exception, of course, and the one exception, Robert Narek. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's I'm the exception angry. to the rule. Well, uh, you could call him now an SAS captain, a kind of special forces uh, army officer, to Oxford. He was a top British officer and he was abducted in 1977 in South Armagh and he was murdered then just across the border uh, and his body went missing. Now, uh, basically and in, in the Independent Commission for the Location of Victims Remains admit that that's the one case they haven't done any searches. they got no info. They've got no info. Or what they say is not enough credible evidence and you know, there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, the IRA aren't even—he wasn't on that list of, of, of nine people, or you know, and now it's been extended. Uh, he wasn't on the list at all. Uh, one reason, I suppose, and people can accept this, happened in South Armagh, so uh, the IRA's kind of command writ didn't really extend to that. It's like an independent, maybe military zone. Zone, yeah. And and one of the reasons how you know that is because. There are two Cross Maclean victims of the disappeared, uh, Jared Evans and Charlie Armstrong, and they weren't on that original list. Now, obviously, er, obviously everyone in the IRA killed them. They were from Cross Maclean, and 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 they're on the list. But and and they finally retrieved their bodies. But the IRA wouldn't, from our side of mind, wouldn't allow the IRA command to put these two people. Obviously, wouldn't because they weren't on the list. But the second reason uh, uh, is that, and it's more controversial, but it's that Republicans are convinced that Captain Narek was involved in terrorism. I you know, we've written about it in the Sunday World a lot uh, that, you know, but soldier who stopped the Miami show band in 1976, mm-hmm. the massacre. He had a clipped English accent and we know there were other people who, who were in that roadblock. They were serving British soldiers, you know, they were local regiment uh, and I, the British Army, have said he wasn't there. He, he, was, he was fishing actually in Scotland, they say. Uh, Republicans still say he was involved in loyalist attacks and, and, and sources say the IRA won't let him get a hero's funeral because they don't see him, they don't they don't want him to be viewed as a hero, you know. Uh, and and even
0: there's a sense there nearly that he doesn't deserve to be given back.
1: Yeah, uh, but the commission this year, I mean, at least 45 years missing, and the commission this year said that you know can we? They, they asked for probably compassion uh, to end the suffering of his two sisters, parents dead. So, uh, but it remains the only one. And you know, I remember one Republican source saying that you know. The, you know, the the SAS—they they were the people who shot you know Raid Farrell in the face when she had her hands up. So they, all better off when it comes to these people. They mm-hmm. do not want to like this is this is he's the exception to the rule. You know, he's a he's the one that he's the one that I would say what's left of the IRA are probably saying you know everybody else is a mistake. Nah. you know they won't admit
0: mm-hmm. that
1: they're wrong mm-hmm. in that area. So I mean, it's just it's just different and obviously. But at the same time, it's not different. Family suffering is the same. And it's something so that's un- un- unjustifiable, said, well, you know.
0: Who was what was was the most information coming in on Jean McConville? That was certainly the one we heard so much about. Or was there just so many people to shout for her?
1: Too, too many people to shout for, mm. yeah. Uh, I mean, I was close to Helen McHenry, her daughter, and Seamus McHenry, his her, her husband. And um, I mean, it was a constant stream of stories. I mean, because these people were, you know, there were 10 young kids and there's, Amazing footage. The BBC went at the time, and, and 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 you know maybe the eldest daughter I think was the head of the house, trying to look after all these kids. in Devis flats in poverty, and not knowing their mother hadn't come back now for several days. And uh, and then of course we were all split up, put into homes. Mm. So
0: each and of them has a
1: story. Each of them has a tragic story. Yeah. And uh, you know, and, and whatever, and that was a story that had you know uh, there that has led the most books. The most. Mm-hmm. The most. Articles definitely, but it's a infamous, if not the most infamous murder. And it's not fair to say that there so many no, people were killed, but is, it's certainly one of the one of the ones. I that, suppose that,
0: it's that idea that well, firstly, she's a woman, a mother, you know, and um, it just seems so inhumane. Yeah. Not that all the rest of them aren't, but yeah, yeah she but, really certainly, and we can all see the the image that's there of her. Um, she's probably the most recognisable name who was the first that was discovered
1: Richard? well that was that's my list there, and that's that's yeah. Joe Linsky and that's the one that Alison Morris found out about well, years still missing. later still missing yeah uh, so there are four people still so missing so body
0: 1984 that's, a separate, that's basically they didn't mean that body to be found at that point
1: uh Eugene's yes, well, he, he was only he, yeah. That's he was only missing for a short short time, yeah, uh, and yeah, and so yeah, it, the, it was it wasn't well publicized. That was publicized, by chance that his
0: body was found. It was, it was I assumed. think
1: it's by chance, yeah, mm-hmm. and it wasn't well publicized, but it's on that. So it's officially he's officially one of the disappeared.
0: But in '99, we start finding the bodies through this commission. We do, we do. and you have Eamon Malloy. Yes, the
1: first body one found, found yeah. in
0: '99. John Bugsy McClory, your own neighbor, Brian yeah. McKinney, Brendan Mc. McGraw
1: yeah and body finding County Meath, yeah okay it, you know and what like so there was a
0: cluster of them found in 99 and then we don't see any activity again until 2003 was that a funding issue or
1: no I think it was just lack of information very very hard to do you know and, and you know the reason even you're talking about it disappeared of course because it's still in the news. And I mean yeah. earlier this month the, the dig for, for Columba McVeigh mm-hmm. was resumed. And actually it's been five previous searches for this this young man, seventeen in County Tyrone, uh, and and actually twenty one acres down in, in County Monaghan have been have been dug up. But new information is coming forward. So I think the information the, tr- the information at the start came thick and fast mm. and then it was trickled down effect and and you know the the people in the the people who are you know the basically forensic archaeologists uh they're now concentrating on a 2 acre site uh, uh covered by forest in in the hope of finding his remains and they want him buried with his mother and father and and the, and the family haven't given up hope but it it's it's new information and it's I mean when you listen to these forensic archaeologists mm-hmm. and experts talking they they say ground can move so much bogs can move so much we know that that is really, really difficult. And and then people's memories are yeah. getting old. It was in the dark half of times. It was in rural Ireland. Um, you know, they may be completely wrong, completely wrong about And about a lot places. of the people
0: involved presumably wouldn't have been from the area, so they wouldn't, you know, they're that going is true back too. to a strange place and too. trying to remember. That it. is true. So the um, It's interesting the way they... Don't they grade the ground now when they're if, before they yeah. start to dig, and they they'll use a kind of an X-ray machine nearly, and they can see where the ground has moved. And yeah,
1: and that's that's the hope that technology. You know, since the, the first body was recovered in the nineteen nineties, I suppose you can say technology is definitely advancing and advances all the time. So mm. you would hope that you know with with new technology. The chances of finding a body have improved dramatically. So, so
0: 2003, we had this. Well, Gene McConville Macon- mm-hmm. obviously is found in 2003. Yeah. And then, 2008, Danny McElhone. Yeah. Body found. Yeah.
1: No, 2010. Are, Charlie
0: yeah. Armstrong. Yeah. Evans, ma. Yeah. Ma. And then you've got 2015, Kevin McKee, Seamus Wright. Yeah. And Seamus Ruddy in 2017.
1: That's in right. Harris. So, yeah, I suppose, I mean, it's been it's been the, the one thing that's important about that Nicola, is they haven't given up hope mm-hmm. i mean the 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 commission for the location of victims remains still has a very active website ask for people to come forward com- guarantees them you know the mm-hmm. immunity or, or or whatever it may be called that that their information will not be passed on so it's they're very hopeful mm-hmm. and and they and they do say in interviews they do still get information uh not as a, as a reported on, on captain narak which remains one of the mysteries of the troubles, and we we still in the Sunday World in the North, we still have have regular splices about you know Captain Narak, you know even now, uh, but there is still hope, and and actually there, are, I mean, you know very recently another person was added to the disappeared.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you, Seamus Maguire, twenty six disappeared yeah. around seventy three or seventy four. Yeah, and I mean, forty eight years ago.
1: Yeah, and that's another, you know, maybe I'm exaggerating this sort of thing about you know nationalist or that's that's a county Tyrone. the kind of it's not secrecy but uh that that a lot of things weren't talked about. And so this man, Seamus Maguire, disappeared. He was last seen in a bar. Uh, they don't know which faction of the IRA. There was a bit of a struggle on between official IRA and provisional IRA, set 1973, 74, as you say. It was only revealed this February, February 2022, that the Commission had announced this man is missing and we believe he's one of the disappeared. We never, Nobody's ever found his body. So, you know, his family hadn't spoken publicly about it. And it's so often the case. So, I mean, if somebody can go on, you know, be added to the, the list of the disappeared. Mm. And I he's the 17th uh, member only this year. I mean, it shows you that the troubles, I mean, we can't really draw a line under the troubles. You can't say all this happened. Um, it's all history. Because we still find out things happened that mm-hmm. we knew nothing about. You know, and probably one of the things that we do in, in the newspaper. And would this have around.
0: been that just somebody came forward, be it a member of his family or somebody else I would said, say that's the case. Yeah. Uh,
1: sometimes it can be, I mean, I don't know in that case, sometimes in, in other cases it has been a paramilitary came forward. Mm. Uh, it's been, you know, in, in Jolinski, um, uh, you know, I think it was a, I think it was part of the Boston tapes that his name was mentioned originally. So it was by another IRA member. Uh, So it can be different ways. Sometimes families have have given up hope. Parents have died. Yeah. Maybe people didn't have siblings. Because most of
0: them are young men. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, they don't have probably wives and etc. So they have the parents. And if the parents do pass on, then they have their siblings. Yeah. But and because they haven't sort of matured to become adults with families, yeah. there's less people there yeah. really to yeah. shout for them.
1: Yeah. And I, I know, I mean, that's for my upbringing in Andersonstown. you see mm. John, John McCrory, may have been, Bugsy McCrory, I think he might have been 18 actually, but he, he uh, I mean, I saw him with a gun at 16. So people grew up very young. It's things that were, a kid, mm-hmm. I mean, I always think that's how you know it's a, there is a, there's an uprising on it a, a real is real trouble when you get kids who should be at school carrying guns. You know, you've lost control has been lost. And that happened very regularly. You know, either you know, there were I mean you could call them child soldiers, they were child soldiers, but they wanted to be child soldiers, you know, and that's it. I mean, John, John McQuarrie, I don't know where he got the gun. He wasn't a member of the IRA. He may have been flirting. People mentioned his name with maybe the early stages of the INLA. There was a, a, a group called the People's Liberation Army, mm. and that's where he, maybe he got the gun. But uh, but that, I just th- those were different times. And I know a 17-year-old now will be thinking about doing a leave insert or yeah. whatever was and go to college and student debt. 17-year-old then, Living in where I lived, it was a very good chance to be to be armed and but
0: well, you know when you say that, like I mean there are certainly I could identify areas in Dublin where yeah. there's kids yeah. with guns, but it's about yeah. drugs. Yeah, I know that. Really, but I mean yeah. that's Sorry. really a war zone too it is.
1: then. It is and, and, and there's probably very little difference. Mm. Uh and it can be frightening too, you know. It can be it can be frightening because
0: very frightened
1: for other people growing up around that. Yeah. Like, I mean, that yeah. image of you looking out the window and oh, seeing yeah. that. That's, I mean, that's when you, you know, you, I feel a podcast of what I saw looking out the window. I didn't watch any kids' TV, Nicola. <laughs> it was just people used to talk about kids' TV and I go, "What? what? I didn't watch it, I just looked yeah. out the window. But, uh, no, I, but you're right that it can, it, can, it can ruin a whole generation. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it can easily deteriorate and probably see it in Dublin too. But young people, you know, when they should be, doing exams or studying or doing a bit of work.
0: And I suppose they've also not got to a stage that their brains have matured enough we all make ridiculous yeah. decisions when that's, we're young. That's
1: very true. You that's know. very true too, you know. And yeah, it's true. I mean, why, why would a 16-year-old be deciding I'm going to go out and use a gun? It really, really shouldn't happen. Yeah. And it happened regularly. And you saw, you know, I remember you did a podcast before with Jake McShakey, Jake yeah. Jackson, and he's, when he was sent to jail when he was 19 to the h blocks. And, and I don't I think it was in a podcast certainly in his book. He said he was a veteran of jail, so he was a nineteen year old, and he was a veteran because everybody in jail was younger than, him, and most of them doing life. And and he was a veteran of the struggle too. Mm. So he, he had seen more and taken part in more paramilitary acts by the time he was nineteen than than everybody else in jail. You know, so so it's that sort of people grew up young as well. Mm-hmm. You know, but and they were they were joining paramilitary groups of this 70. This independent
0: commission, though, I mean, this obviously is what has resulted in all these people being found and brought back to be laid to rest by their families and the closure that some of them have. There's still three they're missing, plus Seamus Maguire yeah. is four. Um, but this is a blueprint, surely, for countries elsewhere that may have similar
1: absolutely it's a stroke of genius and I, I, I'm always amazed that it isn't it isn't just a praise to the high heavens it has been it has worked amazingly and you know, here we always complain things don't work things break down governments break down uh, you know there's nothing seems to work properly and especially people can't agree on anything either that I don't know how they agree people agreed on it, but they did agree to it. And it has been a spectacular success. Mm. And I suppose it can't be, could it be extended controversially? Could you then start talking about an amnesty and other things? And, yeah, and that's what hard I was to get that, Hard to get that mm. through politicians. But I mean, it, you have to learn lessons from that. Mm. That is, has been a, a great success, I think, because of put victims first. It's not up to me to say what victims want and need, uh, but victims are totally happy with this. this but
0: you situation. know, you had a conversation there, which we won't repeat about a call you got. Um, but, yes, yeah. you know, I get calls all the time as well from people who are kind of in yeah. the criminal yeah. underworld and who maybe, well, they've many of them have morals and many of them are yeah. haunted by things and they want to tell you. And, yeah. of course, as journalists, there's very little yeah. we can do with certain pieces yeah. of information. We can't uh, write about somebody unless they have a conviction. We can't name somebody just yeah. on the... Co- but there's a lot of people out there who've lived with this omerta. Yeah. And they want to go somewhere totally. with their information that will give them peace, whether they've done something themselves totally. or they know of others. That's... So how could you extend that or could you...
1: Uh, well, that's where, at the minute, there is a partial amnesty in the mm-hmm. North. There has been since a Good Friday Agreement. So if you're convicted of anything, any paramilitary crime, up, up until mm-hmm. the, like, the Good Friday Agreement, you will only serve two years in jail. Uh, even that must have been a controversial thing to get through. Things if things happened then that wouldn't mm. happen now because politicians would never let it happen because they're sort of, uh, sort of divided. But even that two years put a stop on so many people talking. And, and for a while, the, I, I got a feeling that people thought, mm, there is an amnesty, mm. that nobody's ever going to be convicted. For a couple of years, maybe in the two, year 2000s, and we heard a lot of stories that we didn't hear but that two years prevented a lot of people from talking. And you know we get a lot of calls from people whose conscience are bad or yeah. who, who want to reveal the truth. Or, who or wanna,
0: who've taken a drink. they
1: are taking a drink, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and phone, phone up phone up the newspaper. Uh, but ultimately it will become a criminal offence. And mm-hmm. it, they will do two years in jail. They're going to admit of carrying out a crime during the troubles. They It, it will be a legal process. So that makes it and it's not up to me to say selfishly, I would prefer if 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 it ever came about that there was some sort of instead of the two years, there was some sort of no years, then I know as journalists we would get in the in, in the north we get loads more stories. People would actually tell. And it might be to the benefit of a lot of people as well, because we'll actually find out the truth about things. But at the same time, you know, that's a it's a bigger issue. It's, that's mm. of a self of somebody who wants to get to the truth rather rather than actually get justice, which a lot of people want the justice part of it too. So,
0: But it's very interesting, it, it, within this story of The Disappeared, there is that which comes up again and again when I'm talking to the journalists up here. There was a lot of things that just weren't properly investigated. Oh, totally. Now, look, there was a, a war, etc. But I mean, even murders that weren't connected to the Troubles that they were just not given the the yeah. resources to investigate. And, you know, um, there's that. And obviously then there's this big, big issue screaming out from these pages of that omerta oh, and that existed and that it's such a powerful thing. And to the paramilitaries, it was powerful. But it, in now, in more modern times, when you've organized crime, it's what keeps the show on the road.
1: Yeah. There certainly is that. Uh, I mean, I even you, growing up, and you know, lots of my friends would have been friends with the with the, with the guys who disappeared and met my estate. Not a word. Nobody had any idea. So, I mean, it's it's a it's a it was a I suppose being a member of a paramilitary group. It was very very strict on murder, and you know, people. You know, somebody went to jail. You realized that oh, that person must have been doing something, or you know, it was really 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 top secret, and that secret. Exists, yeah, I think it exists to a point now. But I mean, the paramilitary groups don't, shouldn't. The, the the mainstream ones shouldn't exist. The, the loyalist ones, we write about them every week. They exist mm-hmm. to a certain extent. Crime, uh, original IRA really shouldn't exist. If it exists, no idea why, uh, and you know it's it's, it's beyond mm-hmm. logic why it would exist and they're dissident Republicans. So there is always that, and, and all would have their own and murder, and all would have their own internal discipline, mm. which, you know, it ends up, it's, it's, it's really execution. There's not really, our knee, knee cabin would be very, if you're a member of a paramilitary group and you've done something wrong, like informing, it, it was it was, it was was fatal, generally. So, But the police didn't, I mean, basically what happened to the RUC, and way in the early days, they were certainly, uh, you know, and you have to admit they were, Inundated, they were overrun with murders you know and 400 whatever murders in one year it couldn't possibly do a good I job mean, even
0: consider the amount of crime scene yeah. you know yeah. a, and all the forensics that go with that yeah. and the, the amount the photography yeah. and everything it's overwhelming
1: but it would be naive for me to say that's you know that, that's that's enough that's enough of an excuse because I know that they certain crimes they weren't interested in so they weren't interested in a Republican feud you know, and that's I mean certainly it seemed to me and all the evidence points to that you know they might they might say they were, but no. Nah. I mean if it took that many years to even look at Jim McCombs, uh, really open investigation if it took you know the, they, they just thought nah that's, is it West Belfast, is it Republicans? is it and, and they had no they had no end to that community. I mean the community generally wouldn't talk to them, so there was no police force and they hadn't really gotten in and in. things changed in later years things changed dramatically. And then people did cooperate. But really, in those in those times, it was, um, you know, it was like a policeless society, really.
0: But the heart of this whole story, really, and the reason that um, these experts still go out and look for these bodies is journalism. And, yeah. you know, while the media is under a lot of pressure these days, this is really... The reason why we need a healthy, strong media, isn't it? Because <laughs> it started with a knock on a door to a neighbour, and the story starting to be printed in the local papers, and then, you know, the story gathering legs, and obviously empowering the families then when
1: they felt that it was being recognised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's yeah, I to- totally agree. But it was it was actually I mean, the individual journalists. Did whatever job they did, but actually, the newspapers were very good too. You know, Mm, I mean, when I worked in the Irish news, they were were really in for it. Go do this, go and talk to the police, go. And it was very professional. So, I mean, I I was during the troubles, and I was, the end troubles were ending when I was starting my journalism, but a lot of the other journalists, um, you know, kind of famous Belfast names like Seamus Kelters and and even Brendan Murphy, the photographer, and all that, just huge experience. And Mm. they could. They could direct people, and they would say, "Do this one, and don't do that," and ask this person a question, you know. And they knew the underworld would be more of a Dublin term, but they knew the kind of contacts that they could maybe talk to somebody about something. Uh, and and they were great. And so I think there was a great experience in 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 Belfast mm. journalism, and it probably you know there still is actually that it may have come a, a barren patch in between when newspapers seem to go down a bit, but I think they're on the rise again. But you know, I think in general, you know probably because of the news agenda in in the north that the the quality of journalism was very high. not as not as big you know big mm-hmm. big books in, in in British journal and TV journalism and all that. and the executives a lot of them did their cut their teeth in here. So I think it was a it was generally a high standard. People were very genuine about their work. you know mm. there was no and there was no I mean, people might have their own politics, but nobody ever came to a story with a bias. You yeah. went and said, "Hey, th- there's a wrong here, or somebody wants to talk. Let's do it." You know, and we know. I know. you, you know, In the north, the Irish News is a nationalist paper, the Newsletter is a unionist paper, the Belfast Telegraph's in the middle. Mm. Uh, you know, and the Anderson Town News, local papers have a nationalist paper. But hey, when it came to stories, it was you, yeah. know, you know, you nobody
0: they don't refuse,
1: they, never. <laughs> no, no, they, they were you they were put out you were put out, and people were happy covering real stories. You know, and still are without any without any bias.
0: And Jerry, you never wrote the book.
1: Ah, oh, still time. <laughs> no, I never did. No, it's funny. I mean, I did. I did send it round just because it was early days, and I did send it round. I just moved on to something else, you know. But it was it was lots of like really you know lead stories and yeah. And I, and I was looking through the notes, and there's even a note from you know that's that's handwritten. that's handwritten from uh, from. Uh, Mrs. McKinney, and I, it was a a, a memoriam notice to her son, mm. so she would give me that to put in the Irish News, you know, and I'd go in and type it out. So 18th just, just
0: anniversary, look.
1: Yeah, and it just happened that you know that's Brian, a couple taken of notes I've from taken. us on the 25th of May,
0: 1978. So this, the, the parents of a lot of these people are long gone.
1: Yeah, that's a sad thing The parents are long gone. But I mean, it's 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 funny. I, I thought it might go away when the parents are gone. But it hasn't. It's uh, sisters and brothers, siblings, all just as uh, as as keen and and uh, as ever. Actually, to keep on campaigning for the families that haven't received their loved ones. And I suppose you know, Robert Narak, That has to as well be resolved. I mean, it can't. It's unacceptable that these things. Mm-hmm. You know, everything has to have a resolution. Truth has to come out. And I'd say, what will it, What is it? Is it? Is it post? United Ireland the truth but at some stage even that case has to be resolved it just takes one it just takes one and person I
0: mean, to come forward and to
1: yeah and if that, if that does eventually become the only mm. and it seems with the, hopefully the others because there is information coming forward the bodies will be fine and if that is the only one unresolved well it would be a, it would be a, a tragedy and a, a stain and you know this is maybe a slight
0: simpleton question but I'm going to ask it anyway like, why did they bring them down
1: the south? Uh, safer, I think.
0: Um, not as much police activity. Yeah, totally. I
1: mm-hmm. mean, I think if you went to you know West Belfast, you went to yep. bring somebody into a house, uh, it would be you know it'd be cops would be about constant patrols, um, and rural Ireland probably a lot easier. Mm. Certainly, I mean, it's not not that, it, and it's not fair to say it was a safe safer area. I mean, the guards were clamping down. All the time it was just that i think there were parts of rural ireland that they could hold somebody for two weeks and three mm-hmm. weeks or whatever it took interrogations i you know and and that was that was what you know and you know yeah. when, you, when you see the digs where the bodies were found really rural rural ireland Absolutely. so i just it was probably safer for them mm-hmm. and there may have been people who who were involved in these interrogations or these killings that may have been on the run may have mm-hmm. been very experienced IRA people who. And actually then what happened, I think, also in several cases was the order went down this person was brought to the border with the order, Kim McConnell, kill her. Mm. And even then, the local ones at the border were saying, no, we're not doing that. So uh, apparently that's been said in books. So, uh, you know, so I would say a lot of it would be they were sent down to executioners, you know, and people followed orders.